Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is Jonathan Fletcher here from the Beneath the Kerfuffle podcast, coming at you with another installment of Fletch in the Morning. So it's been a while since I've been back with one of these, but way back when I posted a Instagram poll asking for requests about specific topics that I could bring up uh, during these little segments, and one of them was, what do we as Christians believe? So I want to tackle that one today. What do we believe and why? Because if there's no why behind what we believe, then there's really no belief at all. Um, so I just hope that you guys can sit with me for a few moments. I want to give three main points about what we believe um, as Christians, and hopefully this will be helpful to everybody that is this podcast audience, both Christians and non-Christians. Um, maybe that will be able to spark conversations with your friends, with your loved ones, with anyone that you come in contact with, whether you agree with them or not. Uh, these three points um, will be able to offer you a basis of conversation um, or basis of discussion. Uh, so with that, we will be um, in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. I will use that as my foundation for my ma- three major points. I will go elsewhere to cite scripture, um, but every, every scripture I cite can be uh, anchored back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Uh, so with that, let's just get started. Um, first thing we believe uh, it can be found in Genesis 1, 26, and 28, and that is that God created us to bear his image and to have dominion over the earth. So if I were to just read that real quickly, it says, uh, Then God said, Let us make the, make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the, over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the every living thing that moves on the earth. So the initial reaction there is that it's really wordy, and he's saying the same thing over and over again. Um... But it's super important because the first thing we believe is that God created us to bear his image and to have dominion over the earth. So what does bearing image mean? Uh, It's kind of hard to wrap your head around the concept of bearing image. Um, So you can think of it as like we are to possess and carry God's image. Kind of like a mirror in, in the sense that we are to reflect his glory and honor. Uh, But more than that, it's... Uh, that we are a symbolic object made to capture attention of the things or people around us and therefore point to something that is greater than ourselves, that being God. And this happens regardless of what who we are, what we are, and what we believe. Um, so whether you're a Christian, you bear the image of God. Um, whether you're a non-Christian, you bear the image of God. And with that, you have a responsibility to then have dominion over the earth because the commands or the those descriptions go together. So what does it mean to have dominion over the earth? Essentially, it's to maintain an orderly rule over the earth and all its inhabitants by handling proper, them properly through God's mandates, um, dealing them with all love, respect, and justice. It's basically a divine and unique purpose that God gives human beings through his order of creation and wrapping it together with bearing his image. 
It gives us a purpose for this life, something that's greater than us, greater than we could ever imagine even. So uh, so first thing that we believe as Christians is that God created us to bear his image and to have dominion over the earth. We see that from Genesis 1, 26 to 28. The next thing we see comes from Genesis chapter 3. Um, and it can all be summed up from Romans 3.23. So I'm just going to read Romans 3.23. Uh, and then I, if you choose to, I hope that you would uh, read and reflect on Genesis 3, uh, most commonly titled The Fall. Uh, but Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And how this happens is that... Um, we, man, us as mankind, has decided to go our own way and to not properly bear the image of God or to successfully have dominion over the earth. We decided that we can do it in a far greater way than he, than he has designed for us to do. Uh, so first we see that by Adam in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. And what happens from there is that that triggers a chain reaction where all humankind now has a sin nature, which gives us the, the desire to be selfish, to go our own way, to make choices that uh, ultimately have negative impacts on ourselves and others. Um, basically, it's saying that we are the greatest thing in the entire universe, and no one can, can tell us differently. We think that... Um, that but we're the greatest thing in every decision we make will therefore exalt that. Um, so what that signature also does is causes us to carry out those desires. It causes us our causes us ourselves to make those decisions personally. Um, so therefore we are sinners by having a sin nature and sinners by our actions to carry out that sin. And what that ultimately does is it causes a big, big problem. And I will refer to Genesis 2.17 and then Genesis 3.24. So 2.17 says, uh, I'll start in 16. Uh, the, God, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Um, so what's happening here is God just told them what, what not to do. Man... Uh, in chapter 3, man then breaks that, but he gives the consequences right away. He says, if from in that day you eat from it, you will surely die. And then we fast forward to Genesis 3.24. We see um, after the narrative of the fall in chapter 3, uh, the third chapter closes out by saying he drove, that is God, he drove. The man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. So it's very um, specific uh, language used here, um, but it's a legitimate separation from the divine being that created us as humans to be in a relationship with him um, and to bear his image and have a specific divine purpose. Uh, so this is a, basically a separation from the being that gives us uh, over, overflowing life or eternal life. Um, he created us for this purpose, but when we choose to not be essentially obedient to that purpose to, or to fulfill that purpose that we were designed for, uh, 
then we can't essentially reap the benefits of that either, um, those benefits being eternal life. Uh, so what Genesis 2.17 and 3.24 are saying, because of all of Genesis 3, because of Romans 3.23, we are separated from God. And the language in 17 says, uh, we will surely die. And ultimately that does come, for we know that humans are not... Um, I don't know. We know that we're going to die, right? That there is an end of our life coming eventually. Um, we hope that it's longer. Uh, it's far farther in the future than than closer, right? But we have no control over that. We never know when our moment's going to come. But we do know that we will surely die. Um, but even greater than that, we're separated from God from that moment. Uh, and, and humans are continually longing for that. And we can see... We can see the truth in that by the way we act and the way we try to place different idols of worship in our lives. Um, it just reflects that that true desire of our heart to get back to that right relationship with God. Uh, so separated from God, surely going to die. But the strong language in this verse is that that there's no way around the separation. That we are drove from this, driven out of the garden. Um, that creates a essentially a permanent separation there. Um, and as I I use that term permanent as as stiffly, as, as seriously and as loosely as possible, because the third thing that we believe as Christians is that there is a hope. And I'm going to refer back to Genesis 3.15 for that hope. And it says, so this is God talking to the serpent specifically after ha he's handling uh, handing down the curses um, through through this passage because of the the after effects of the fall, and he says to the serpent, "I will put enmity between you and the woman, and then between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. That's the the offspring of the woman bruising the serpent's offspring head, and you shall bruise him on the heel." Uh, Essentially, what this is saying is that, that there is a hope that in one day, sometime in the future from this passage, that all evil will be defeated once and for all, and everything, therefore, will be redeemed back to its right relationship with God. There is a hopeful restoration for eternity. And if we kind of drag this out a little bit, we see that it is initiated by faith in that one to come. Um, now, with our... Uh, with our knowledge now, we know that that is Jesus Christ. That if we have faith in Him, then then this passage is ever so true, or this this passage is true regardless if we have faith in Him or not. But um, we get the benefits from that with that faith in Him. But how do we how do we know it's initiated? Or it's it's brought forth by by faith because of the reaction from Adam and Eve. For we see in. Uh, In Genesis 3.20, where it says, Now the man, that is Adam, called his wife named Eve because she is the mother of all the living. Um, so after this curse, um, and after they will surely die, after all those, those strong words have been said, Adam still goes out of the way to name her Eve, which means that she is the mother of all the living. And if we continue to follow that, that theme down, uh, the language that is used while she is naming the 
children, um, specifically Cain and Seth, is that these are children given by God, um, essentially naming them that they may possibly be the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15, which, which shines light that they, both Adam and Eve, were living in faith of this promise, that it is possible that God was immediately fulfilling those words. Um, as we know now, it took several generations of of people to make that to to have that promise come true but they were continuously living in in faith that that promise was going to be fulfilled um so that once again that's that a hopeful restoration of eternity um and essentially redeems everything back to a right relationship with god and our our continual hope through that is seen more clearly in revelation 21 verses 3 and 4 where um john says uh, there i heard a loud voice from the throne look god's dwelling is with men and he will live with them they will be his people and god himself will be with them and be their god he will wipe away every tear from their eyes death will exist no longer grief crying and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. So John is essentially saying that everything, he is saying that everything is redeemed back into that right relationship, that God's dwelling is, the man's dwelling is once again with God. We are once again in his presence, in that um, unique relationship that we were we were created for where we able are able to properly bear his image and, and have dominion of the things that he has graciously given given us the ability to have dominion over that that tears death grief crying pain that they, they will they will exist no longer that those are things of of this world now because of because of the fall and because of our our sinful nature but once uh, once the end of times comes and all this is fully redeemed they, they have no purpose in this life um, so that is our eventual hope uh, that is to come so those are those are three things that Christians three four things that Christians do believe um, so it's a what they believe and why uh, so what we believe is um, that God created us to bear his image and have dominion over the earth. We believe that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, we have a big problem, um, man, namely in the separation for f- separation from God and us surely dying uh, as a result of that. Uh, and then that there is a hope in the one to come that all evil will be defeated once and for all, and everything will be redeemed into its right relationship with God. And why we believe that is because there's so much hope in it, because it's so true and we see it play out um, every day in our lives, from the smallest of things to the largest of things. We can um, see, we can see the truth, we can see uh, the, the unique characteristics of humans that that only God could give them we can see that uh, 
just how uniquely woven together this earth is and how everything interacts with one another. Um, so we believe those three things, and the reason we believe it uh, is because there's an eventual hope to come that we will one day be fully redeemed into a right relationship with with God himself. Uh, so that is just another installment of Fletch in the Morning. Um, so thanks for giving it a listen. Um, and can fo- continue to follow along with us at the Beneath the Kerfuffle podcast.